Welcome to our last uh, uh, worship Sunday for 2017. And uh, we thank God for all the great things that he has done for us. Uh, one of the things that a new year does for me is it's always an opportunity. It's always an opportunity to reflect, to look back on our year past, to look back on our old pathways, our, our old habits, our old way of life, whatever we did in the last year, and to think, you know, what went right? What are some of the things that went wrong? What are the, some of the regrets that I have? What are the, some of the things that I wish I did better? And then we get a chance to, to, you know, to start anew. We get a chance to wipe the slate clean and start afresh in 2018 and uh, start some new habits that are going to be healthy to chart a new path of where we want to go being led by God and his spirit. There's a pastor in Kentucky named Dave Stone. I, I love him because uh, he always comes out to California and he preaches and I've heard him speak like three times. He tells the same joke every time. He says, you know, out in California, I heard you guys like seafood. In fact, I heard you, you don't even like to cook your fish. You just eat it raw like sushi. And and I said, I, I understand that, but uh, back where I come from, we just call that bait. So that's, that's his perspective. But anyway, Dave Stone says this. He says, resetting your priorities, which is a great time to do it at the end of one year, the beginning of the other. Resetting your priorities could serve as the bridge between who you have been and who you know and realize that God wants you to be. So you say, okay, God, this is who I am. This is where I am. I've made some progress. I'm doing better in certain areas. I'm not doing as well as I could or maybe should in other areas. God, who do you want me to be in 2018? For example, maybe I was a little too critical. Maybe I was a little too negative. Maybe I saw everything like the glass is half empty all the time. And maybe I saw people and all I could think about when I saw them was their faults or their shortcomings and saying, you know what, instead of being critical and negative, I want to be more positive in 2018. I want to come up to somebody and I want to see the good in them. And I want to notice that. And I want to point that out. And I want to be able to encourage them to look for the good in other people instead of just the negative. Man, can you imagine the, the difference in our country if everybody had done that this last year in 2017 instead of just looking for something to criticize and to oppose and to resist and all this other stuff that went on this last year? I want to uh, pull a, a scripture out. Um, what do we have here? Jesus promised to us uh, in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, where John the Apostle, an old man, exiled on the island of Patmos, out 50 miles west of the city of Ephesus, out there in the uh, Aegean Sea, where he was isolated, and yet God uh, gave him some amazing visions and revelations. And, of course, Jesus, the first thing he did to John in that book of Revelation was reveal himself. And Jesus says to the person, uh, and I think he's in this particular passage, he's talking to one of the seven churches in Philadelphia, the only church, by the way, of the seven that Jesus did not criticize. He only said good things about this church, and he said, see, I've set before you an open door, which no one can can shut. Jesus says to them, and he always gives a promise to the, to the people in the church at the end. He always says, hey, if you do what I'm asking you to do, here's what's going to happen. Here's the promise that Jesus makes to us. So he says, to the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. 
Our theme today is going to be new, a new year and a new us. So you're going to hear about new all the time. Uh, And here's one of the new passages. He says, I will write on them the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. You know, anytime the word name is mentioned in the Bible, it usually has to do with somebody's character, with their identity. So when we get a new name, we're going to get the name of Jesus in us. And the Bible says that Christ is living in us. His Holy Spirit is indwelling us. He's writing on us his new name. And he says, you know, uh, wherever you're living right now, that's not going to be your eternal home. Wherever you are right now, this is temporary, just like the year 2017 was temporary. One of the things that always reminds me as we go into a new year is like, wow, 2017, when we started, it seems like it lasted a long time, but here we are, and we only have like 15 or 14 more hours left in this year, and we're going to be in a brand new year, and it's like, okay, now Jesus is making all things new, but when he brings the new Jerusalem, we're going to be citizens of a new kingdom, and we're going to be part of that forever. And 2018 or whatever the year is, it's never going to end. It's, it's like it's never going to come to a close. So it's a great opportunity to, where Jesus is making all things new for us to look back, to reflect, to see what our goals and dreams were, to see some of the resolutions that we made at the, end of, at the beginning of last year. Sometimes by God's grace, he gives us the ability to just be honest and say, okay, all those goals you had, how many of those were you able to accomplish If you didn't accomplish some of those goals, what were some of the reasons for that? I mean, some of it were circumstances out of our control. Some of it was unexpected fires in Sonoma County that left a lot of people homeless and rebuilding in our county. Uh, We, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, Circumstances that were out of control. Sometimes there are health issues that limit us that we wouldn't want it to happen, but we were physically debilitated and we couldn't do some of the things that we were intending to do this last year. But other than that, circumstances out of control and health issues, most of the other things, the top reason why we didn't reach our goals is, is really we, would, we didn't want to accomplish our goals bad enough. We didn't really have the intensity. The trouble with the New Year's resolution is it's like one of those, oh yeah, this next year I really want to do this and this and then lose weight and get healthy and read my Bible every day and, and listen to worship and praise music and reduce my, um, my uh, super intake of social media and <laughs> let the world tell me how great everybody's doing or at least project the image of how great everybody's doing out there on social media and that just makes me feel depressed. By the way, That is one of the new causes or or the new contributing factors of depression in younger people, right? They're on social media all the time and they're they're looking at Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and whatever they're doing. They're seeing how, how great everybody else is doing. Smiles on their faces, party all the time, laughter, oh, just having a great time. And, and, realize, and not realizing that that is the image of 24-7, that life is always like this every day, every hour of every day for everybody else except me. 
And then they realize, well, I don't live that kind of life. So you're comparing yourself to other people. One of the things I'd hope we do in 2018 is stop. And I'm, I'm talking, I'm the, the two fingers right here when I'm pointing out there, four back at me. I'm pointing to myself on this one. Stop comparing yourself to everybody else and say, well, look at them and what they're doing or what they have or look at the person they're with or whatever. And instead of saying, no, God made you to be you. He made me to be me. He, he created you unique. He gave you gifts and talents. Let's just live for his glory and be the best version of you that you can be instead of trying to be like somebody else all the time, right? So new Jerusalem, new name uh, promised to him who overcomes by Jesus. You know, it's, it's very interesting. The Bible, for being such an old book, right? The, the, the newest book that we have from the Bible is the book of Revelation, and it still comes from the end of the first century. So like 1,900 years ago is the newest book that we have from the Bible. All the other books are even older than that. So we have this old book, but, and yet in such an old document that, that allows us to live our lives and gives us our rule for faith and practice, there's a lot of new passages. There's a lot of newness in the Bible, and I want to explore some of those new things together. Before I continue, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be active here and among us today. We ask that your holy presence would just come and, and fill me as I speak with your passion, with your clarity, with your word, with your truth. And as your truth goes out, Lord, I pray that it would touch each individual heart right where we're living, right where we're at, and saying, God, speak to me today. Lord, help me to draw closer to you as you draw close to me, help me to put out some of the lesser things in, in life that are dragging me down. Like these, the Bible says, the sin that so easily entangles us. Don't, let's don't get tripped up by that anymore, Lord. And help us to follow you with a pure heart, Lord. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today and help us to have that willingness to say, yes, Lord, I'm gonna follow you wholeheartedly in this next year in 2018 by your grace by the power of your spirit. Lord, do that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to break out the key passage that I want to talk about today, about new and old. You know, Jesus is, uh, is starting his ministry. He's with his ministry team, the 12 apostles, and they're, they're serving and they're preaching the kingdom of God. They're healing people of all their diseases and, and casting out demons, and they're just, they're having a wonderful ministry. And yet the Pharisees, who, again, this is one of the things I don't want to be accused of, is they, they're always looking at Jesus and his followers with this critical spirit, with this critical eye. They're always trying to catch him doing something wrong whether rather than noticing all the things that Jesus is doing right. So the Pharisees are looking at Jesus and they're noticing that, oh, oh, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. Ah, well, John, John, at least John the Baptist over here, his disciples fast. The Pharisees, they're our religious leaders in our society. They fast, they go without food. And yet you guys just seem to be eating and laughing and having a good time. I'm, I, I, why do you guys do that all the time? And Jesus answers them and he says, it's not the healthy who need a physician, it is the sick. I haven't, called, I haven't come to call righteous people to repentance, but sinners, right? So he says that and then he gives this illustration about wine and wineskin, which I thought was rather appropriate for Sonoma County. 
The, the magazine article I read said there were 340 wineries in Sonoma County, and now the latest I heard is that's up to 400, and probably a little less after the fires. But still, that's a lot of, that's a lot of wine being produced in our, in our region. Well, Jesus speaks to that, and he gives this illustration about when the gospel comes into our lives and the effect that it's going to have, and the ability of the gospel to affect change in our lives has a lot to do with our attitude toward how we receive it, right? So Jesus says these words. He says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. And he says, no, they pour new wine into new wineskins, right? The, the trouble with an old wineskin was it, lo it loses its ability to stretch, right? They used to make wineskins out of goatskins. So they would gather the goatskins together and sew them together, and then they would put the new wine into the new wineskin. And as the wine fermented, it expands. And the beauty of the new wineskin was it has this, this elastic ability to stretch and to expand. And over time, the trouble with the wineskins was it loses its ability to grow and stretch and expand. And I think if we're, if we're being honest too, sometimes, and I'll speak for myself, I sometimes lose the ability to grow, to stretch, to expand. Sometimes I even, I, I try not to say it out loud to God, but I know I have this attitude of God, I've, I feel like I've grown as much as I can grow right now. I feel like I've been stretched as much as I can be stretched. Please, you know, no more, you know, this far and that's it, you know. Uh, I've grown up to this level and no more. And, and we have this attitude and, and God says, and then Jesus comes in and he says, behold, I'm making all things new. Anyone who's in Christ as, as, as uh, I was going to say Rachel, as Jackie pointed out, uh, as Jackie pointed out, anyone who's in Christ, he's a new creation. God is making all things new. And when he makes new, he's actually, like when he puts his spirit into our hearts by faith, he makes us into a new wineskin. And he gives us the ability to grow. And he, and he tells us, he says, hey, you, like spiritual babes, crave the pure spiritual milk of the word of God so that you may keep on growing. We expect babies to grow. I've been a week now with my grandkids and and the, one of my mantras to uh, my granddaughter, Cammy and my grandson, Cade, who don't seem to have this huge appetite. In fact, I look at them like, where'd you come from? Because I can't get enough food. And you're over here and you can, you act, when food comes along, you act like you could take it or leave it, right? And the, and the one mantra I'm always saying to my grandkids is, is like, especially Cade, because he's a little thin. He's on the thin side. And I said, and he's only three. And I'm, and I'm looking at him like, you know, you want to get this big? You know, you're not going to get this big by not eating. So I said, Cade, what happens when you eat that chicken nugget? And he says, I grow big and strong. Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, that's right. So you got to keep on eating if you're going to keep on growing, right? And God wants us to keep on growing. He doesn't want us to stay where we are. It, it, when it comes to the, if we're acting like we, we have these old wineskins and we can't stretch or grow and expand anymore, we're basically, we're, we're saying to the Lord that we're going to just be comfortable and we're just going to be confined to this old way of life that we have. We're not going to be ready to grow and change when Jesus comes along. When Jesus comes along, he's always going to bring change. 
And we always say, change, yes, new, yes, until, until it means that we have to do something different, until we have to give up something old, until we have to say, ah, you got to stop doing that if you're going to make room to do this new thing that Christ wants us to do. And so we got to be ready for the growth and change. We got to be able to leave some of the old ways behind so that the new wine of Christ in the gospel can come in and transform us from the inside out. Now, I brought a special guest with me besides our great worship team. I brought my son-in-law, Craig Olson, here. He is a youth pastor in Southern California, teaches junior high kids, so he knows how to keep people's attention. I mean, he's, he's got a challenge of that every single week. So Craig's going to come up here. He's got an illustration about the old and the new. Let's welcome Craig. Have you ever had that kind of day before where nothing seems to go right? Traffic, on the way to work, work keeps you longer than usual, you forgot to eat lunch that day, you come home, maybe you've been out in the yard all day working, it was a day filled with, with, with unending errands, and you finally get home, and you take off your coat, because you got to wear coats up here, we don't have to wear them down in SoCal where I'm from, but you take off your coat and you lay everything down, and you finally go to the spot you've been waiting to get to all day, your chair. This is a comfy chair. If you don't believe me, there's two other ones just like them downstairs. You can go check it out. But this chair is comfy, and this chair is what you have known for such a significant part of your life. And the reason why it's comfortable is because you've been sitting in this chair for a long time. Now, we're talking about a chair, but I want to talk about what this chair actually represents for this illustration. This chair represents our comfort zones. This chair represents the areas, the seasons of life that we've grown accustomed to that we think, man, the more I sit in this, the more I feel comfortable. When I was 24 years old, about nine years ago, um, I was sitting in a chair much like this. I was sitting in a comfort zone that looked very similar to this. And the Lord began to move, and I was a follower of, of Christ at that time, and I was, I was serving Him and involved in youth ministry and just serving, and I was, actually in, I was actually an accountant at the time. And I'd been doing that for three years, and at the end of the three years, I started to kind of bang my head against the wall, like, what am I, what am I doing? I enjoyed the work, the paycheck was nice, but I began to wonder, God, maybe there's something else for me. You could say that I was experiencing an old wineskin that just felt so comfortable. It just fit. Everything just seemed so easy and natural. And I began to pray. In fact, I began to pray sort of a scary prayer of, God, what if there's something else for me out there? Now, just like this passage says, you can't take new wine. You can't take a new opportunity. You can't take something that God really wants you to embrace that would just simply perhaps fit into your comfort zone. It might, but for me it was something a lot different. A teaching opportunity arose, and I would eventually jump into this teaching opportunity where I would take a 40% pay cut, and mind you, I was about to get engaged, and I went to my girlfriend, soon to be fiance, and said, hey, um, I know I have this great accounting career, and I know that I'm making a good, um, go uh, a good salary, and I'm making a good, uh, a good living for myself, but I'm thinking of taking a significant pay cut. Do you want to still marry me? <laughs> when she said yes, I knew, I knew that she was the one. 
And so I, I would eventually begin teaching and coaching and really stepping into this new wineskin, this new calling in my life that I truly loved, but it required me to get out of this comfort zone. It would take me on this nine-year journey that would bring me to where I'm at today where I've been privileged to be able to serve in an incredible church down in Southern California called Crossroads Church where I get to serve youth. But it requires us to sometimes step away. When God has something for you, it requires you to sometimes having to get up out of a comfortable spot in your life. It reminds me of a guy in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. This guy had like the best job ever. He was the cupbearer, right? Now, you don't want to have a bad day as a cupbearer, right? Uh, if you're unfamiliar with what a cupbearer is, it's the person who tests the food and the wine for the king. Now, you only really have one bad day of work because you're not going to be alive to see the second day of work. Um, and so Nehemiah, he has this incredible job, but he finds out about something that's happening back home. His native land and his heart's broken over it. And he walks away from this privileged life, this comfortable chair, this comfort zone that he'd known for so long to step into something and he would return home to opposition. He would return home to the naysayers. He would return home to some people that really tried to derail what God had intended him to do. And I think that's what happens when we decide to get up out of a comfort zone is we know there will be opposition but the minute that that opposition comes or something doesn't go the way that we think it should, our natural desire is to go back and sink back into our comfortable chair, to sink back into a comfortable spot. And so as this new year begins, as this new year starts tomorrow, maybe God is calling you to something new. And maybe it's going to require you to get up out of a comfortable chair, a comfortable spot that maybe you've been in for some time, to really maybe reach out to a neighbor that you've maybe not had the best relationship with. Maybe it's reconnecting with a son or daughter that maybe has turned away from the Lord and there's been some, some harsh back and forth that might, it might require you to reach out and say, son, daughter, I'm, I'm so sorry for maybe the things that I've said, but I want you to know that I love you. It might be a, a family situation that might exist. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it is something. Now, I'm not up here to say that you've got to quit your job and go teach and then eventually become a pastor. Everybody's call is different. That's just mine. But I can tell you that nine years later, I don't regret for a minute stepping out of that comfortable spot, that comfortable chair that I originally started in, but it requires us to understand that God might have something new for you. And so I leave you with this question, what is the new thing that God might be calling you to in 2018? Thank you. Speaking of comfortable, I was just getting comfy listening to him, man. He is, he's like a, a smooth talker, real easy to listen to, Craig. That was a great message right there. So you get two messages for one, two for on Sunday, uh, December 31st. Hey, I want to go on. I want to talk about some other new things that the Bible talks about that we get to be part of, right? So the next new thing that God gets to be part of is what he calls the new covenant. Have you ever thought about that as being new? I mean, to the Jews of the first century... He was basically saying, look, you have this old covenant. You have this old way of relating to God. You had to keep all these rules and regula regulations. You had to have all these sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. You had to have all those things to be in a right relationship 
with God, with Yahweh, with the creator of the universe, with the God of Israel. But now Christ has come along and he started his new kingdom. And we even pray. In fact, we prayed uh, before the service began, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. When Jesus ushered in his new kingdom, he also ushered it in through uh, the, the sacrament of baptism, through the sacrament of communion. Uh, he ushered in what we call the new covenant. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. We were in that earlier this summer when we went through 2 Corinthians in 2017. He, talking about the Lord Jesus himself, he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. We don't own the covenant. We have been entrusted with his covenant. We are managers of this new covenant. This is the covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, and it, and it ends in death not because the rules were wrong, but because we didn't have the ability, we didn't have the want to, we didn't have enough willpower in and of ourselves to be obedient to that old covenant, to say, I want to obey your laws all the time. We had this rebellious, sinful nature that says, I want to do what I want to do. So Jesus came along and he abolished the old covenant and he ushered in the new covenant. And it says the, new, the old covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. And so by grace, through faith in Christ, he, Jesus, has enabled you and me to be ministers of a new covenant, to be a servant of the new covenant. What a privilege that is. Um, it's amazing that uh, we are made uh, into new creations, being made ministers of the new covenant. He gives us his Holy Spirit and he says, now go out and do this work in my, in my name. So we have that. The new covenant starts by identifying with Jesus in his death and burial and resurrection. And I, there's another new that shows up in the next verse where it talks about new life through the sacrament of faith and baptism. And, it, and it, I, you know, you guys know whenever I do, whenever I say baptism, I usually, I turn sideways and I point up toward the screen because that's where the baptistry is behind the screen, right? So as, uh, uh, Paul is talking about this and he says, hey, he, he asked the question in the beginning of Romans 6. He says, hey, should we keep on sinning? Because God, God just pours out more grace. It seems like the more people sin, the more God pours out his grace. So one of the questions was, well, why don't we just keep on sinning so God could keep on pouring out his grace? And Paul says, you know, that person's an idiot and go shut up and stand in the corner with a dunce cap on. He says, by no means shall we go on sinning that grace may abound. And, God's, and Paul says, no. And he says, we identified with Jesus through our baptism. So he says, we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may, may live a new life. When does that new life start? When we identify with Jesus in his death and burial and resurrection. So we die to the old way of life, and it says through baptism we identify with Jesus in his resurrection. And so now we have a new life. He's given us a new life. He's given us his spirit, and he says, glorify me in this. So we do that. Now, with the new life, he says, now that you have this new life in Christ, now that he has now commissioned each of us to be his ambassadors, to be a minister of the new covenant, he says, you're, you're going to have to deal with some of your old habits. You know, you've got old ways of talking. You've got old language that, you know, you wouldn't want to say in church. You've got old ways of thinking that are not honoring to God. You've got, you've got a me first mentality. 
And I think in 2018, the the call for all of us is instead of me first, let's have a he first mentality, right? Instead of me first, let's have a Jesus and his kingdom first mentality. And in order to do that, we're going to have to start changing from the inside out. And so talking about another new word that comes up, that pops up in the New Testament. And it says in Colossians chapter three, that you've put off the old self, which is all this garbage. It's all, in fact, Paul talks about this old self that we have and our old ways of thinking, our old value systems, selfishness, exploit others, get whatever I can, who cares about anybody else, all that old way of life. He says, think of it like an old stinky set of clothes that you've been wearing for like a week. You ever go on one of those camping trips for like a week and you're out there and you don't, you know, maybe you get a sponge bath or, or you wash your face or something, but that's it. And you come back. I remember one time when we were teenagers and we backpacked up in the mountains and we came home and my mom says, you know, she opens the door, she gives us a hug, she says, welcome back. And she has this look on her face like, uh, he says, to the showers, to the showers, because she knew that we needed, we needed a shower and we needed a new set of clothes. And like we need a new set of clothes, the, the illustration that Paul uses, he says, and put on the new self. Take off those old stinky clothes of death and separation from God and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. In order to put on that new self, we have to put off the old self. We have to put to death all those things that don't belong in our life anymore. They've got to be gotten rid of, and we replace the old self with new values like love and grace and encouragement and peace and joy and all the things, you know, all the things that we say, this is what's going to make the world a better place. The only thing that makes the world a better place are when the people that are in the world become better people. So you and I, we're on the vanguard of that, right? We're becoming better people. We're putting on love and peace and joy and grace and encouragement. We're looking for the good in others instead of just to be critical of, of them, right? And when that starts happening, the world starts to change. His kingdom is coming, and he's coming in and through our lives. So we, we've been putting on the new self. We've identified with Christ. We've got a new birth. We've got... Uh, we're, we're getting rid of the old wineskin. We're saying, God, I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to stretch. I'm ready to become new. I'm ready to have you teach me and put your new wine of teaching and your new values into my life. And then, and then, what hap- and then when that happens, it ultimately reminds us that, guess what? This life on earth that we're living, it's temporary. The life that we're living on earth, it's not made to last forever. Sometimes I think, like, I'll use Craig's illustration. Sometimes I think living our life here on earth, especially in America in the 20th and 21st century, you know, we've got, we've got our jobs and our careers, and then we try to get this thing called retirement going. We get our house, try to get our house paid off, all the bills. So we get this lifestyle, and, and we think it's going to be heaven on earth from the time we're 65 until whenever we die. And we're going to try to be healthy, you know, as much as we can until we die. We're just going to try to sit in this chair. I think sometimes in America, we live as if this is all that there is, that, that this life is all that there is, that there is no life beyond the grave, that there is no new kingdom coming, that there is no uh, a renewal of all things that Jesus talks about when the new Jerusalem is coming down from heaven and says, guess what? You're a citizen. 
You're a citizen of that new kingdom. Do you realize that? Do you realize, so you realize that the life we have here on earth, it's not made to, la to last forever. So look what God says about this bright new future that we have. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Right? So Jesus promises he's going to restore all things. We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Right? If there's a better world coming, then maybe we should cut back on, on trying to create our little heaven on earth right where we are. If there's a better world coming, then we have to be reminded that we have this blessed hope. That no matter how tough times here are, are for us on earth, no matter how many setbacks we have, no matter how many disappointments we have in relationships, in our career, in our health, no matter how bad things seem to get here on earth, we just have to remember we have a blessed hope because all these things are going away. And Jesus says, I'm going to create all things. In fact, it says in Revelation, the next verse, it says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5, the Lord Jesus is talking and he says, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Can you imagine that? When he creates a new heaven and a new earth and he makes all things new and we get a new transformed body that's going to be like the glorious body of our Lord Jesus. Now for somebody like Ula, you know, he's young and he's strong and he's in shape. The, the change in that, in that body for him, it's not going to be all that much. But, but for other people who are aging and, and getting old and the bones are wearying, you know, and the mileage is creeping up on us, you know, and stuff like that, that idea of getting a brand new body, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like getting back to the youth and the vigor and the strength where things don't tire out, where things, you know, we, we don't even, we don't suffer anymore. Jesus said he's going to wipe away every tear. I'm making everything new, he says, including us. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. In other words, I said I'm making everything new. Do you believe it? Do you have the blessed hope? Do you realize there's a better world coming? Do you realize we have hope as we look forward into the future? No matter how bad things get for us now, there's a better world coming. He's continued, he started that process of making everything new. He started that in you and me when we first became a follower of Jesus. And he's gonna continue that process until we die or until Christ returns, whichever comes first. He's enabled us. So he's making all things new. He's renewing us from the inside out. We're putting on the new self. He's enabling us. He's empowering and equipping us to be ministers in this new covenant. And then now Jesus says, now that I've equipped you to do all these things, here's what I want you to do. Because one of the things we look at in the church history is we say, okay, if we're to do what the followers of Christ did who knew Jesus, who experienced him firsthand, and then he ascends up into heaven, he says, go back in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. They go back, they pray, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. What happened and what did those guys start doing? What did they start doing that was different from what they did before? So the day of Pentecost comes, they start, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking forth the words of the gospel. The church is growing. Now we get to Acts chapter five, and I just want to give you the context of this. You get to Acts chapter five, and they've got 
And the new believers in Christ, they're, they're experiencing joy and victory in the Holy Spirit. Miracles are happening. The Bible says in, in a few verses before this one that God was working through Peter at that time in such a way that if somebody just, just walked across Peter's shadow and they were sick, they were made well. If somebody, was, uh, if somebody needed a demon expelled from their life and they went to Peter, they were expelled. In fact, the Bible said ex- extraordinary miracles were happening through the life of Peter that time. You know, I, I would just go for some ordinary miracles. I, I think that'd be cool. So ordinary miracles were happening through Jim's life. I would be so content with that. Peter, at this moment in his life, God was doing extraordinary miracles in and through his life. And then, of course, Uh, Whenever the kingdom of God advances, violent men oppose it. Uh, Jesus said those words in Matthew's gospel. It was happening in the lives of the apostles. So now they're uh, growing the kingdom. The church is expanding. Uh, Thousands of people are being swept into the kingdom of God because the gospel is being preached and miracles are happening. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the Sadducees in the temple, they're getting all jealous and they want to shut down this whole Jesus operation. So they take all the apostles and they arrest them and they throw them into jail. And you think, well, that's going to be the end of them. Now we've imprisoned them. Now the whole movement is going to stop right then and there. And God says, oh, yeah? Well, I got an answer for you. So an angel of the Lord goes that very night, and he miraculously opens up the doors, uh, the locked gates and the doors of the temple, and the apostles go free. And he says, hey, guess what, guys? Go back into the temple area and start preaching the same message of life. In fact, he says, go stand in the people's courts. And by the way, that word stand doesn't mean just be on your feet. It means stand firm. It means like, you know what an athletic, an athletic stance is, right? So the kind of standing where when somebody bumps you or tries to knock you off your game or knock you off your stance, you're ready. You know, you're not like this. You know, you're standing like this. You're going to get knocked over pretty easily. That's right, they say, get low, get, get solid in your stance. So he says, go stand that way in the temple courts where you expect the opposition to come, but it's not gonna shut you up anyway because this message of life is too important because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. These people need to hear this message. So for the benefit of them, go in there and stand firm in the temple courts. Don't worry about that opposition and tell the people the full message of this new life. You know, Lisa and I have been up here in Sonoma County over a year now. And some, you know, people when we got here, they said, you know, this is still California, but this isn't the same California where you came from in Southern California. You know, here in conservative North Orange County, you know, where at least half the people were Republican. Huh. So you come up here to Sonoma County, it's a different world up here. People have different values. The church, the church is, has, there's less percentage people who are, who are, uh, who are self-proclaimed followers of Christ. The churches are, are smaller. There's less Christians per capita up here in Sonoma County. And we found that all to be true. But, but the, the truth of the gospel doesn't change at all. Whether, it's easy, whether you're in an easy place to preach the gospel or whether you're in a place that has a lot of opposition, like maybe where we are right now, where people are saying, you know what? Your religion is fine. Just keep it to yourself. And, and here's the Holy Spirit talking to the leaders of the church in their day, facing way worse opposition than we have. And the Holy Spirit says, go, stand in the temple courts and tell the people this, the full message of this new life. 
Go and stand and says, whatever the consequences are, let God deal with the consequences. You go do what God told you to do. You go be a minister of the new covenant. You go take this message of life and share it with the people who need this message. Amen? Are we ready to do that in 2018? Because that's going to be the difference in our church in 2018. That's what's going to make us flourish when God's people collectively, we all get together and we say, you know what? We're standing here and we're going to be a lighthouse in our community. And Jesus is going to be proclaimed. And the gospel is going to be communicated. The good news message of forgiveness and new life in Christ is going to be, is going to be proclaimed from this place. And new followers of Christ are going to come in because faith comes by hearing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for the gospel is the power of God to save everyone who believes. When the gospel is proclaimed, God's power goes forth to save everyone who believes. So all we need to do is, is, is bring people within earshot of the gospel message. And that's what's going to help our church grow and help us flourish in 2018. I don't, uh, I'm going to close with this one. Uh, the last new that we have is actually a repeat of what Jackie said. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in because I didn't talk to her about, hey, what's your communion verse going to be? And, and I found out when I was sitting here the same time you did. But this is, this is another new that is in the Bible, talking about new. In fact, this is going right back full circle to where it all began. For you, where it all began for me. Are you in Christ? Have you trusted him? Because if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. We are a new creation in Christ. I guess that's the first question for any of us. Before we start growing and flourishing and putting on the new self, let's just put on, let's pump the brakes for a minute and say, wait, have you taken that first step of faith? Have you trusted in Christ? Have you come to put and commit your life to following him fully? Because if you have, then you've been recreated. If you have, Jesus says, you've been born from above. You've been born from his spirit. So how about you today? Do you know, do you have that assurance that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus? Because we're at, we're at the end of, a, of one year, we're at the beginning of the other. In some ways, it could be a crossroads in your life. And maybe it's coming to faith in Christ for the first time for you. Maybe today is a day of renewal. Maybe today is one of those days where, you know what, I don't know where I was going, but somehow I got off track a little bit, and I want to get back on the right track with God. I want to be a 100% fully committed follower of Jesus in this year to come. God, help me do that. Let's pray, and let's see what God does in this new year. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that you are in the ability, you, you are in the business of making things new. You're in, you're in the business of reviving or bringing to life out of what is, is dead. Lord, you are in the business of causing new things to happen in our lives when we look to you and when we trust in you. Lord, I pray that we'll see our lives like, uh, like your illustration of a wineskin. I pray, Lord, that, that you would renew us from within, that you'd put your Holy Spirit in us and say, and say be, be willing, be ready to grow, be, be ready to expand, be ready to be stretched with the new teaching of Christ that comes in, with being obedient to that new teaching and stepping out courageously in new ways wherever you call us, Lord. Help us to have that, that willingness to say, Lord, wherever you lead is where I want to follow you. God, 
thank you for all the promises. Thank you for making us new citizens in your heaven. Thank you for giving us your new name to us who overcome. Thank you that we're identified with you. And I pray, Father, that you'd give us the, the willingness, the enthusiasm, the ability to say, 2018, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are, member, we are ministers of the new covenant by your grace and through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, do that in our lives. And Lord, if there's anybody here in this room, while our eyes are closed and our heads are still bowed, if there's anybody in this room that has not yet crossed the line of faith, has not yet put your complete faith and trust in Jesus, I just invite you, if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to say yes to him, if you're ready to leave your old way of life and follow him, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that, that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. And Lord, I believe that you gave your life for me when you died on the cross. I pray, I, I believe that you paid the price for all my sins. And Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life now. I open the door of my life and I say, come in, Lord Jesus. Come in and take residence. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse me of all the bad things that I've done. Lord, give me the, the want to, give me the willingness to follow you wholeheartedly from this day forward and for the rest of my life. Lord, use me to glorify your name because you say if the name of Jesus is lifted up, then he will draw all men to himself. So Lord, I, I follow you, I trust in you, and I commit my ways to, to live the kind of life that you want me to live. Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayers, for coming into my life. Thank you for that eternal life. And I pray, Lord, you just do great and amazing things in all of us who love you and trust in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.